Chapter 3. The Weight of the Plough On an evening in July, during which a cold wind dragged clouds from the south and the sky tumbled with disorder, cameraman Will Green and I went to meet Dini Moyahu at Mururopatu Marai on Century Hill, roughly halfway between New Plymouth and Waitara. Dini Moyahu is Peter Moyahu's son, The arrow keeps piercing generation after generation, heart after heart after heart. In Taranaki, history has the sound of colonial place names. Century Hill, Bell Block, Egmont, the latter named after a man who never went there by a man who was sailing past. Taranaki has the face of the land and of Dini himself and of his great-great-grandfather, Tamate Whanganui, whose photo is on the wall through the door Dini is standing beside, inside, in the warm, warm light. Tamate, Dini told us, had been imprisoned without trial and sent off to Otago. Tamate, hundreds of other men, all of them Māori. During 1865, Kopapa Tuatahi, the Waitangi Tribunal's Taranaki report says, some 1.199 million acres of Taranaki were confiscated. Almost 1.2 million acres in a single year, brazenly, openly taken like a giant ram raid. The response to that Raupatu confiscation still seems extraordinary. The men whose land had been taken from them began to plough it, man after man, plough after plough, acre after acre. The ploughing began at Oakura on the 25th of May 1879 with 20 persons and five ploughs, Kopapa Tuatahi tells us. It spread to Hawara and finally throughout Taranaki. With hindsight, the report says, the government was faced with widespread, organised and disciplined, passive resistance. When I first read Kopapa Tuatahi, I found it heartbreaking. Our history, our widespread ignorance of it, our shame, our lack of shame. Some of it is almost poetic. Some of it is almost rageful. Some of it has the strange clinical calm of a cancer diagnosis. Quote, the history of Taranaki is not a set of unconnected incidents, but a record of continued denial and repression. The manner in which land was taken, the way in which the so-called purchases were affected, I'm quoting here, the human rights abuses, including imprisonments without trial, the injury sustained, the continued denial of rights over generations, still quoting, the resultant state of race relations and the bitterness to be ameliorated, cultural marginalisation and demographic dispersal, and on it goes, hurt after hurt after hurt. And against all of that, the ploughmen went out. Quote again, They disdained all threats that they and their horses would be shot, and they gave no resistance when surrounded. As the ploughmen were arrested, others took their place, until over 400 Taranaki ploughmen swelled the jails of Dunedin, Littleton, Hokitika, and Mount Cook in Wellington. Off they were sent, Tamati Whanganui, and so many other Māori men. Almost a century and a half later, Dini looks up at the photo of his great-great-grandfather on the wall at Mururopatu and tells me, 
when you are part of lived history, where you see the continuing dispossession and disenfranchisement, it takes a lot to work through that. I have been a slow, dull student. But the more I learn of our history, the more I understand that working through it, as Dinny says, requires us all to look up at the photos, to know their names, to know their stories. To not know these stories, to treat them separately, to assign them to the margins of what we sometimes refer to as Māori, by which we mean over there, by which we Pākehā mean not relevant to anyone else or not our problem, is to endlessly repeat the way colonisation insists its victims carry its weight. The weight of surviving, the weight of overcoming, the weight of memory, the weight of the plough.